Well, we are excited to welcome Rosie Molinari on the Find Your Summit Storytellers podcast. Um, I'm your co-host, Brian. And I am a co-host. No, you're the host, Leah. (laughs) Leah. Um, (laughs) uh, And Rosie, I was trying to find a way to introduce you. It's like author, (laughs) um, teacher, uh, motivational speaker of sorts. Um, what, how do you? <laughs> how would you? What, how would you describe yourself? It's a radical self acceptance. Is that what your your website describes you as? Oh, maybe a radical self acceptance champion. That yes. might be what it says. Yes. So yeah. what? What does that mean? Well, thank y'all for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, in terms of radical self acceptance, it's the idea that um, we embrace who we are and accept who we are with grace which doesn't mean that there's not possibility for growth but it just means that we don't um focus on our challenges as um things that undermine us but instead Mm. as opportunities and so really sort of coming to a place of peace Mm -hmm. with sort of this is where i am right now and what would i like to to do about that and Mm -hmm. sort of whatever particular pocket that might extend to Mm-hmm. Is that a learned thing for you, or is that do you feel like that came pretty naturally to you? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think primarily learned, um, although I do think there's some aspects of my personality mm-hmm. that lend itself to it. But I, you know, and I think the reality for so many of us is we teach what we most need to learn, mm-hmm. and so um, I think that's how it ended up being a bit of my lane. But mm-hmm. sort of. My underlying belief is that we are all here on purpose. We each have a gift or multiple gifts we are meant to give the world, and our life is meant to be mm-hmm. for the expression of that. And what I learned over time about myself and then saw as an educator and then now see sort of in professional and personal circles is that too often our relationship with ourselves is what gets in the way of our ability to really live that purpose. And sometimes that's around self-acceptance, and sometimes that's around self-awareness, and sometimes that's around self-care. And so I think that sort of what I feel as if my purpose is now is to create experiences that allow us and that includes me Mm -hmm. to um, answer thoughtful questions and consider the possibilities that will allow us to be our healthiest most um, realized self so that we can go out and do what we're meant to do in the world. Do you feel like you are pretty dialed into what you were meant to do in the world? Um, you know, I think that when I talk about purpose, I feel like our purpose can change over time. Yeah. And I also mm-hmm. just don't think it has to be grand. I mean, sometimes I yeah. feel like my purpose is, you know, making sure the people in my house are healthy. Like, yeah. the, you know, that they have, you know, what they need to, to mm-hmm. sort of be happy in the world. Um, That's pretty when, grand, though. And, and so... And so I feel like when I think about my purpose, it's pretty broad in that lane of, um, you know, I, I want to feel like I am connected and have meaning and I want to help others to feel as if they're connected and have meaning and that um, they're able to um, nurture their own well-being while doing that. And so that can have different expressions over Mm -hmm. time but I feel like that piece of knowing my purpose yes do do I always know what flavor it's going to come out in no (laughs) Uh, what are like some 
ways or some things that you've kind of done for yourself to nurture that and like to explore that like I saw that you do monthly intentions which is something I've been trying to practice more of is that like one of the ways that you've kind of learned to so I'm gonna go back in time a little bit to when I realized I needed routines Mm -hmm. I started my career as a high school teacher and um absolutely loved it and um really you know if someone said hey can you do this I was like yes I can Mm -hmm. and um I ended up getting really sick several years into teaching and yeah largely because I was just I just didn't have any sort of routine of taking care of myself and Mm -hmm. so I had to spend a particular period of time at home recovering before I could go back to work and during that time I thought well I'm able to take care of myself when all I can do is take care of myself, but what in the world do I do when I go back to work? Yeah. And by, through a lot of trial and error, I began to realize, okay, you're going to need some systems in your life. And Mm. in general, I'm a person who needs that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what it meant was figuring out, okay, well, what do you need on a daily basis? What do you need to do on a weekly basis? Mm -hmm. What do you need to do on a monthly basis and what might be quarterly or yearly. And so Mm -hmm. I do have lots of systems that sort of um, bolster me up during that time that are around care and around intentionality. And because if I'm just left to operate on my own devices, I will go through a day and at the end of the day be like, oh, I'm hungry. Mm -hmm. Food (laughs) didn't happen today. I'm really dehydrated. I mean, I just, I get into this like hyper focus in what I'm doing and then look up hours later and I'm like, I do that. Oh. Tyler, just, Tyler, my wife just came outside and was like, I forgot to eat breakfast again. I was like, yes, yeah, of course. I do that too many times. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I just need these systems. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, on a daily basis, it's what I've recognized at that particular time of like, what care do I need right now? Mm-hmm. Um, how do I need to be practicing care? And sometimes that's related to what season it is sometimes that's related like so oh I need to do lots of stuff for my sinuses or um you know we were talking earlier about the rainy February that we had and I just (laughs) like several weeks into it I realized Mm -hmm. oh you are not well yeah and you have no control of the weather so you better figure out other ways to get well besides Mm -hmm. like sitting in the vitamin d um and so, you know, getting my head around that. And so sometimes it's related to the season, mm-hmm. like actual season. Sometimes it's related to the season in my life um, yeah. and um, or what I'm working on. And so there's sort of these daily habits that I try to come up with. Sure. Um, and then monthly, I try, then I have some weekly stuff like making mm-hmm. sure, you know, meal planning. I also plan my next week work-wise on mm-hmm. the Friday before I do like this little weekly review where I check in on things. And yeah. Um, that's been so good for me and yeah then um monthly i I set a monthly intention yeah um and uh quarterly i kind of check in on like am i good with where things are going Mm -hmm. in all the facets of my life and then annually i do the the big thing i do is sort of a one word intention to kind of be a a theme for my year of like what i'm trying to use as a litmus test against my decisions Mm -hmm. and so like this year my word is embody and so trying oh. to make sure that my actions match up with you know my thoughts and yeah um and so you my know, word of the year is gratitude love that it's a good one yeah i think especially after covid it was like a a good shift yeah it's time yeah. to focus on that when do you think culturally and and i don't know if we're even close to where we need to be but when do you think it became 
more common for people to focus on self-care because I do feel like that's trending in the right direction, but it's not, it hasn't been forever like the conversation publicly about taking care of yourself. I think probably in the last three years, it has become much more pronounced. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, probably the the global tide change in the last three or four years where people began to realize things have an impact on me that even aren't in my daily life. Like watching mm-hmm. the news has an impact yeah. on me. And, um, and so you couldn't compartmentalize as much. And so sort of the crush of work and the crush of home life expectations and then sort of of what's going on in the world, I think made people begin to recognize I'm not doing great. Mm-hmm. Um, and what is in my control to try to support my well-being? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think at least, especially for men perhaps too, and there's, but is the stigma of saying, I'm not okay, I need help. And yeah. we've talked about it on our podcast before, but mm-hmm. not making talking to someone this like taboo thing. Mm-hmm. It's like you go to the doctor for a checkup. Why would you not go to check up on your mental health too but, absolutely but it's not something that even i learned growing up and i feel like i grew up in a supportive household but it was mm-hmm. like i don't recall having mm-hmm. those conversations like how are you and i think for so long um we were encouraged to sort of adopt this both hustle culture mm-hmm. and like keep it in yeah culture and i think that there's enough evidence that sort of Going that hard all of the time mm-hmm. without taking care of yourself and without reflection isn't um, sustainable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, that going at it alone um, isn't really what we're meant for. I think we all really want to be seen and heard and um, understood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's enough of like, a cultural voicing around that you know so one of the interesting things is that i think maybe social media has created some complications for people but it Mm -hmm. also has made normalizing yeah i'm not okay um a good thing i think it's so much yeah i think about social media it's so much on how you approach it and who you choose to follow and how you choose Mm -hmm. to for me it's one of those things that i made an intentional choice a year ago to to like actively stop following people that made me have any sort of judgmental or to be like I can't believe this person said this or posted this picture I'm like why why am I including that in my life mm-hmm. like and mm-hmm. and I think that but that was you know after years of just yeah. you start following people and you start seeing things and I think you know it's like so much about putting intentionality into yeah. everything that you do and with the more and more social media became part of our life mm-hmm. you know it, it sneaks up on you I think that's sort of the whole theme of self-awareness is just becoming aware of impact, whether yeah. it's the impact of what that voice on social media, like how, how that makes me react or feel mm-hmm. or um, awareness of the show I watched on TV and how it made me feel, feel or, um, you know, actions we take or whatever, just mm-hmm. beginning to gather enough evidence and pay enough attention to it and then say, Oh, mm-hmm. well, what does that mean for what I can best do to support myself? Mm-hmm. Um, shifting gears slightly, you are an author multiple times over. You've written two <laughs> books? I have. When did you realize you wanted to write a book? And then was there any bit of the process where there were challenges thinking, do I have enough to say that people should or will want to read? Mm-hmm. 
So I, um, I'm Puerto Rican, and mm. my dad was in the U.S. Army. Mm-hmm. And growing up, he was an enlisted soldier. There wasn't much money in mm-hmm. our house. And so his um, extracurricular for me was taking me to the library on Saturday mornings. And I, there was on Fort Jackson, there was this kid's room. Mm-hmm. And so my goal was to like make my way all the way through the kid's room, <laughs> like read every book. <laughs> and he, God bless him, I would come out of the library with this like, st- you know, out of the kid's room with like the stack of 16 books. And mm-hmm. we were coming back next Saturday yeah. and he never said to me, you can't read those. Yeah. Like you're not going to be able to get those done. And I would read like under the dinner table and with a <laughs> it's flashlight like, it's like at Matilda. night. It's yes, like- <laughs> yes. So good. Um, and so I think that what started first for me was, I think reading really um, eliminated my sense of loneliness mm-hmm. when I was young. I think that um, there weren't many people who had sort of the experience, like my background. And mm-hmm. um, I think one of the things that reading provided for me was a real awareness of, you know, in many ways, we're all little lone boats like Mm -hmm. making our way in the world trying to find a fleet to join up on yeah and 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 so those books were windows for me and they were doors Mm -hmm. um and so reading and writing became just a real home for me and so I wrote all of the time Mm -hmm. um growing up and um when I became a teacher what I loved most about teaching was helping my students and like we would be in class for 90 minutes and I would think about Mm -hmm. for these next 90 minutes we're all that any of us have yeah yeah and so let's find a way to be meaningfully in community together yeah and often the way that I rooted that was let's write to figure out what it is you know deep down inside yeah and then let's like share that with one another and I wasn't an English teacher I was a history teacher um and so that became sort of the way that I knew to help people. Mm-hmm. It was the way that I'd found my voice, and it was the way that I knew to help people find their voices. Mm. Because yeah. one of the things I struggled with as a teacher is if I said, hey, Leah, what do you think about this? Yeah. Um, the Leah in my classroom would say often what she thought I wanted to yep. hear. Yeah. Totally. And mm-hmm. the, I, did, I didn't I feel like that's how the, that. the educational system is built right now. Yeah. yeah. It's like everyone to have, has to have the same answer. Yeah, and it has to be the right answer. Right. I think about that now. I wouldn't, I mean, it broke my heart to, I had to ultimately leave teaching mm-hmm. um, because of my lack of self-care. Um, but I think about it now and I would not survive in a standards-based mm-hmm. education that's yeah. really regimented um, yeah. because I go, you know, left or right pretty pretty easily. <laughs> And so I'd be lots of parental complaints. Um, but one thing I realized was I need to make them figure out what they think first yeah. mm. before think they share themselves. it out loud. Yeah. And so that's why we did so much writing in my class, journaling and mm-hmm. writing in my classes. And so um, fast forward, as I was thinking about um, what what had helped me to find my voice and Mm -hmm. what tool I felt like Mm -hmm. I could um, use to help people find their voices. Writing was really Mm -hmm. um, there for me. And so I ended up getting a master's in fine arts and creative writing. And you have to write a book um, during the week. You don't have to be published, but you just have to write a book, you know. And so um, I wrote a collection of essays and um, poems, linked poems Mm -hmm. that were about 
coming of age as a Latina in the South. Yeah. And um, at the end of that, one I had in my program, all of the publishing classes were voluntary. Mm-hmm. I didn't go to a single one. I was interested in sort of using this tool as an educator. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did not go to a single publishing class. And um, my final advisor said, you know, I'd really like for you to consider publishing. And I said, it's just not my thing. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm a teacher. And he said, you have a very literal understanding of teaching. Like, have mm-hmm. you ever learned from a book? And I was like, a book saved my life. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he said, yeah, because books are teachers. Um, mm. He's mm. like, and I just want you to consider the possibility that your particular voice, which is mm-hmm. a Latina growing up in the U.S., mm-hmm. um, isn't extensively published. And this was yeah. 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, he's like, and I just feel like there's a place in the canon for your voice. I mean, there are lots of mm-hmm. women who immigrated to the U.S. as adults who have published books. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's not like I grew up here and yeah. here's my story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we made a deal that I would send stuff out for a year. And if at the end of that year, I just was like, this does not speak to me. Mm-hmm. I can yeah. walk away from it. And during that year of sending stuff out, the thing that struck me was I didn't feel a large need to share my particular essays. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't need that to be in the world. Um, but I was struck by the fact that, um, Latino women did deserve to be represented in, mm-hmm. in um, literature. And so um, pitched a book that was on Latinas coming of age experiences in the U.S. where yeah. I interview 500 women and tell their stories, sort of wow. theme-based. And yeah. so that ended up being um, my first book. And that's ultimately what led to the second book was that the, mm-hmm. the thing that people resonated with a lot in that book was everybody was reckoning around how they became themselves and how to become yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that piece around self-acceptance was really um, interesting to people. And so they would ask questions like, well, how did you get to a place of self-acceptance? And I'd say, well, I tried this and then I tried this and then I tried this. And so my second book is exactly that. It's, It's, um, 365 exercises in, that are meant to help you sort of develop a greater sense of self-acceptance because I think mm-hmm. so much of it, so much of everything is just conducting a, an experiment with yourself. So I, I will interject about, you know, so half a lifetime, half of my lifetime ago, I was a student in your class. Um, and <laughs> What one was of, Brian like as a student? <laughs> one of those, uh, I don't even remember and I don't want to know Rosie's answer, but... <laughs> Um, one of the exercises we had to do was the class was called the creative process and we had to write three pages every day for the whole semester. And I remember being burdened by the assignment, but in, as you spoke about teaching your students to think before they speak and to understand how to start processing, that has had a remarkable impact because in my career, because at Summit, I've become a writing thinker. And so I write Mm -hmm. these journals every week that... Mm -hmm. I just, I'm a flow writer. I start at the beginning and I end at the end and then I publish it and I don't edit and <laughs> right. I don't. And that is, but I've, and I feel like that has become a huge part of Summit's storytelling and things yeah. that I've written have meant things to people and it's helped us get new partners and businesses. Mm-hmm. And it's totally rooted in the idea of like, if you're trying to think through something, just start writing. And so that became part mm-hmm. of my habit was I'm going to write and I don't know what the point of this is going to be, but I'm going to let it come out. And 
that's something that I still do to this day. I love that. I am going to tell a story about Brian. But first, I want to give credit about that assignment. Um, That is from um, Julia Cameron's The Artist Way. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're called Morning Pages. mm -hmm. And I feel like you would love that. Well, I have heard it. it, It's in my top five of like changed my life books. Okay. Um, But um, one thing that I'm really aware of that has been a truth throughout my life is that I always know something deep down inside. I mm-hmm. just have to get quiet enough to hear it. Mm. Yeah. And I don't hear it like as a, as a thought in my head. Mm-hmm. I write it and I don't even know what I'm writing. And it comes out and I'm like, oh, that's what I think about that. Holy cow. Okay, yeah. well, what am I going to do about that? And so for me, that avenue is writing. For someone else, it may be that they go out for a run or a hike and like the thought like yeah. blazes across their mind. Yeah. Um, I have to write to unearth it. And mm-hmm. so... Um, all credit to Julia Cameron on that exercise. But what I have found for me is if I am really struggling, let me just take out a piece of paper and start. And it may just be that mm-hmm. for 47 lines, I'm writing, I'm struggling, I'm yep. struggling, I'm struggling. And then yeah. something comes up. And it's yeah. just how I get in connection with sort of what's going on subconsciously for me. I, Absolutely. I think one of the um, cool things is I don't know if when I was 19, I was prepared to totally adopt that daily habit Mm. yet Mm -hmm. but i think it stuck with me so that when i got to a point in my life where i Mm -hmm. was able to adopt it it was something that was hidden inside me that i was able to unearth and so Mm -hmm. it's like it's an interesting way to process what you learn in life because it doesn't always line up with how you're ready to hear it right but you know it's like oh yes i remember like the artist way again i remember the lessons i remember the feelings that i was getting from it and i just wasn't ready to hear them Mm -hmm. 20 years ago that class is probably and I've taught a boatload. Um, my favorite class I've ever taught. Um, and y'all's class, uh, like I did that one time. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But one of the assignments was that, so it was all about exploring the creative process. Yeah. And um, one of the assignments was that everybody had to choose something that they had some interest in but had never done. Yeah. And their final project was like, do it. Oh Whatever it is, do it. Um, and so Brian chose to <laughs> learn how to play guitar. <laughs> And write songs and give a performance <laughs> at Summit. Yep. Um, and That's as I recall wild. it, and maybe I'm not recalling it accurately, um, you hadn't played guitar before. Correct. And and so like over the course of the semester, like taught himself to play and then like did a public concert, which was above and beyond like what I was asking yeah. of folks. Right. I mean, there did need to be like, <laughs> but he didn't just come in. It's such an audacious thing to do. It right? was so cool. Um, and I still remember it because it really like, like you threw the gauntlet for yourself. And, yeah. um, and that's, I, you know, I think that so often we're scared to throw the gauntlet for ourselves. I can yeah. be scared to throw the gauntlet for myself. Um, yeah. But I think the more you do yeah. it and the more you land... Yeah, like it's you just like, gain oh, confidence, of right? It. Yeah, it's not even yeah. that it needs to be like, wow, let me exactly. sign you to a record yeah. label. It's like you did it and <laughs> nothing did. bad happened, right? Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> and so then you begin to understand, like, um, I've got myself. Like, I have my own back. Yeah, I can, yeah. I can pull. The, like, will will I be the best person to ever sing on a stage? Maybe not, but can I do it? Can I pull it off? Sure. And yeah. having that like sense of self, I think, is. Mm-hmm. really sort of powerful and taking you wherever you want to go in. Yeah. Maybe I'll make a return, like a 20th anniversary. Ah, there we go. <laughs> Two years from now, whatever it is. Um, do you feel like that has prepared you, that that lesson, 
do you feel like that translates to being a parent? Ooh. Um, Coming off the hardest year, perhaps, ever yeah, of being a parent? I think um, the amazing thing about being a parent is that um, I, I don't feel like I ever become more of an expert. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like I every day I'm like, eh, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I become less and less... Um, certain of how it must be done and mm. more and more comfortable with mm-hmm. um however it turns out is fine yeah um you know i i um try really hard to sort of resist prescriptions yep um in in that sense because i think that we we do that so much culturally like mm-hmm. oh you know when you know, you just start dating someone and someone will be like, so, you know, do you think you're going to get married? And <laughs> when might you get married? And then you get married and like you're walking out of your wedding ceremony and someone's like, so when do you think you have kids? Yeah. And then you're on the way home from the hospital with your new child and they're like, when are you going to have a second child? Oh my gosh. And, and I think that that creates so much pressure and so yeah. many shoulds. Totally. Yeah. Um, and then those things become like constant counterpoints in our mind of like, well, am I doing this? Because oh, I should have been doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, I call those like when we are in a position of sort of considering our life and there's this like, wait, what about this? I call those like ghost lives, like they're yeah. kind of haunting us. Yeah. Um, and so I think I, I always feel like eh, this could go every particular way or any particular way in parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, and often I think, why did anyone think I could be in charge of someone's life? Like, this is the worst idea ever. Um, but um, I, I love that my son's now in a place where um, he can be much more engaged in sort of sharing input and thoughts mm-hmm. about like decision making for him. Because yeah. then I'm like, oh, sweet, this takes some of the pressure yeah. off. Yeah. Um, because, dude, like, if you're relying on me. Well, I think Ooh. should. It, I'm a very outspoken critic as a manager of Summit as of the word should. Oh, yeah. Like, I I hate the word should. Yeah. And I have employee Whenever an employee is, like, struggling, it's like, well, I feel like I should do this. I'm like, stop right there. Like, eliminate that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so one of the things, I had this moment, um, gosh, probably a decade ago. My kid's 12. So, it was probably, he was probably about a year and a half. Um mm-hmm. And I was sitting down to think about my word for the year in 2011. And I said, well, how do you want to feel? And the word that came up was wholehearted. And Mm -hmm. I thought, huh, what's that about? Yeah. And I realized that, gosh, probably 75% of the stuff I was doing was not wholehearted Mm. for me. Yeah. And it had been, what, what I realized was it had been wholehearted in the past, but like, becoming a mom and mm-hmm. having um, sort of those responsibilities and expe- expectations and desires. Like yeah. I wanted to be around to read bedtime stories um, had shifted mm-hmm. what was wholehearted for me, but I hadn't been paying attention to that. And mm-hmm. so what it meant was I was saying yeses that I had traditionally said without realizing that without catching up on sort of looking at my life and seeing if they were a good fit. Yeah. Um, and so it made me really work on figuring out what's wholehearted for yeah. me. And I think that's the thing about shoulds mm-hmm. is yeah. shoulds are not from our whole heart. And if you just follow should to should, yeah. like you're talking about whether it's the linear path in life, it's like yeah. you graduate from high school, you should be going to college. And it's like, yeah. maybe not. 
Maybe not next year. Maybe not ever. Like yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, this prescriptive Exhibit thing. Exhibit A. <laughs> oh, yeah, and, right. And you, and you're happy. And here I am. Yeah, that's exactly right. What is it like being a Latina woman in a very white suburb of Charlotte, raising a black boy who's going to become a man? Like, what is that? How does that feel in terms of someone who's such a self-identity person? What does that feel like? It's pretty intense. Yeah. Um, and the last few years yeah. have been particularly intense. Um, and I had, so at Davidson as an undergrad, um, I designed my major mm-hmm. and it was in African-American studies and urban education issues. And, you know, had my own real identity journey mm-hmm. um, in my undergrad years mm-hmm. and early 20s. Um, really trying to sort of figure out my place in the world. And um, because so much of the feedback I got was either you aren't really Puerto Rican because Mm. I didn't fit into someone's boxed understanding or you're Puerto Rican and so you cannot do this. Mm. Um, And so I'd always had these real sort of extreme reactions um, to to me, it felt like. And so I had to have this... I, I... for a period really was looking for, well, if I could just get consistent reaction. And then I had this Mm -hmm. moment where I was like, no, you're in charge of your reaction. Like Mm -hmm. I get to determine what makes up my whole, I get to define what my identity is. Um, And so when we went into adoption, um, we wanted to make sure that as we looked at the possibilities and the reality that our child, um, you know, may not have our background and, Mm -hmm. and did we feel like we, um, could be honest stewards of that journey. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we really were very deliberate in thinking about it. And at the time, I thought, um, well, the world's really changing. Yeah. And it was um, 2008. Yep. And so um, Barack Obama was the nominee for mm-hmm. the Democratic ticket and then was elected. And I, ju- I wrote a journal entry that night of the election, just feeling like, all right, this is a different world. And then... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that has shifted. Um, and so it's been interesting to navigate wanting to make sure my son feels prepared for the world Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and also feeling as if he should not be denied the joy and the comfort and the bliss of childhood. Yeah. Um, because I have to talk to him about how he presents to a police officer or to mm. a person walking down the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and so that has, for me, has been a real um, intense sort of internal yeah. dialogue of like, what, when does he find out about George Floyd? Mm. And how does he find out about George Floyd? And what are the conversations that need to happen around that? Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that one of the things that I love about his spirit and so many young people that I see right now is that they look at this stuff and the way um, the way our systems work as absolutely absurd. Like, and so he asked me, I mean, unrelated to this, um, he was like, why is it called a man bun? 
Like, why is it not just a bun? Like, anybody can wear a <laughs> yeah. freaking bun. Yeah. And I was like, yes, please, carry yes. on. Yeah. Um, There's so and, many things like that. Yes. And yeah. so he, like, all the yeah. time is like, <laughs> and Talent, so, you yeah. know, and so we read a lot. I, we still read together. And so we read a lot of, in this last year, we've read a lot of books about uh-huh. Jackie Robinson and mm-hmm. Muhammad Ali. And, um, you know, he just is so offended Um you know, for Jackie Robinson and for, you know, like why would anyone think that they were, they could be anything but great. Um, And so my hope is that that is the general spirit of that generation and that Mm -hmm. they will save us from ourselves. But in the meantime, I feel an intense responsibility to like fan that, Mm -hmm. flame that, encourage, and to make him recognize that he has a responsibility to be everybody's ally. Yeah. Um, Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's. Um, I was on vacation with my parents a few weeks ago, and they were talking about generationally. They feel like there's always something that you look back on when your kids have become the generation you were in, and you're sort of embarrassed by a handful of things that you thought when you were their age. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. and so I think about that a lot as our kids are growing up, and mm-hmm. and you know, and our my kids are in alignment right now with a lot of the things that we think. And that's obviously they're impressionable and that's, but I do think there are certain social sort of things that right now are like new, like whether it's, you know, LGBTQ rights or, mm-hmm. um, you know, rights for black people in America. And, you know, this is our country is so young, but I, my daughter like approaches transgender people as if it's a super normal way to approach life. And it's like, I hope that that doesn't get taught out of you at any point during mm-hmm. like either by your peers or by other adults. And yeah. like, yeah. and that's a, that's a throwing your kid into the world and being like, you prepare them as well as you can. And I think this is mm-hmm. like teaching, but you prepare them, but then they're going to hear other things and yeah. like teaching people how to process to filter mm-hmm. and be like, uh, you know, not that and, and try to make room for them to form their own opinions, but not be swayed by somebody telling them, yeah. something totally different and been like okay well i guess my teacher said that mm-hmm. yeah and you have no idea what other kids are going to say to you yeah. that was one of my biggest surprises yeah. when your kids start going to school is like i learned this today at school i'm like oh my gosh i can't believe someone said that to you like yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. that was my rant <laughs> i have no kids so i have no <laughs> input you know, but so, somehow the podcast always come back to parenting uh, yeah but it's i mean yeah you learn a lot having kids i'm sure too um We'll wrap this up shortly, but who do you learn from still? Who who inspires you right now? Ooh, um, <laughs> gosh, I feel like I am constantly inspired. Like I just mm-hmm. feel like um, I'm wired to like desire that inspiration, and yeah. so. Um, I particularly find um, poetry really inspiring um, in how someone translates their experience in a way that um, the words just transcend, but also become your own where I'm like, Mm. oh, that could have been my question like that. Mm -hmm. And so, so um, there are lots of poets that just like grab me by the throat. Um, I'm really, I'm really inspired by my kid. Mm. Um, Mm. And often just sort of overcome. Like when I, when I 
consider the forces that brought us together as yeah. a family. I also, I, you know, he's most definitely who I most needed as a teacher in mm. my life. Mm. And just to think about like the miles that, and, and life circumstances that brought us together. Um, and really humbled by that too, because um, so much loss and tragedy of like things that our world hasn't got gotten right yeah. is what led to that. Um, and uh, I'm inspired by um, by the idea of creating community and just like trying. I think all of us just are looking for ways to be seen and um, like the work that we do, mm. you know, like. Yes, technically, Summit sells coffee, but what you really broker in is an experience where, like, people walk into their neighborhood coffee shop and their neighborhood summit and feel seen and connected and known. Yeah, connected um, is one of the keywords. We, yeah. Lee and I talk all the time about what we're trying to make people feel with the Summit experience. And now that we're growing and doing all this content, mm -hmm. it's like joy, connection, being seen. Mm -hmm. like it, it, it never comes back to like we want someone to walk in and be like that is the best cup of coffee I've ever had oh, yeah it's that it's yeah um Leah saw me walk in and I got caught in a conversation but she's like here I already made your coffee right yeah because like she mm -hmm. knows I'm known and remembered mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah yeah that's it that's summit that's summit yeah. yes <laughs> it feels like your parenting is maybe your third book not, oh, to to not to totally force so that on you. Interesting yeah. that you say that. Because, um, yes. <laughs> because I think that um, it would be like my third book when, when um, you know, he's a grown adult now uh, in the world. Like, yeah. I feel yeah. like um, with each one that I've written, I have sort of resolved the issue and found a place of peace with it mm. before I can write it. Mm -hmm. Um <laughs> And so, you know. It's hard to know, you know when know, to ever start this one. Right. right. It's going to take, like I used to think, um, I used to think like I, I, I sing to him at night. Yeah. Um, although he now is old enough to realize I do not have a good singing voice. <laughs> oh, no. Um, I, I, I had like a racket going for a long time that he thought I had a great voice. And like, I was I like, ooh, that note me. is bad. <laughs> so there's less of that now. Now he's like, can you just play the actual song? And I'm like, yeah. oh, that hurt. But one of the songs that I would sing to him was um, Baby Can I Hold You Tonight by Tracy Chapman. Yeah. And I used to think, oh, that could be like the best book title. I mean, I probably can't uh, make it a book title because, <laughs> sure, you know, it's hers. But I would think about that and think like when I write this book, that's going to be it. Like Baby Can mm. I Hold You Tonight. You're just going to play um, that in the background constantly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it'll be the, the soundtrack. But I do yeah. feel like the way you speak about parenting, though, you can tell when people say things that, it feels like there's more to be said or written. And I do mm -hmm. think whether it's a podcast, I mean, it doesn't need to be yeah. a book like, but I, mm -hmm. I feel like it's how I felt. I had the privilege of going to college with Clint Smith. Who's yeah. and that's one of the poets I love. Yeah. And when you, He's when you, writer and when you heard Clint talk, it was like, it feels like this person has so much more to say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I feel that way about you when you talk about parenting in particular. So yeah, at some point, yeah. Right now I have so much more to learn. <laughs> yeah. And then maybe so much more to say. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate the time 
uh, we had a technical difficulty in the middle of our podcast, our first one ever. This is what editing skills will help with. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for those people at home, um, I didn't know we were on battery and our um, podcast equipment died. I'm actually a little disappointed it doesn't give you more of a warning. Like (laughs) a a little like. It was just like, you're done here. Yeah, like. Hello? Is this thing on? Um, Well, Rosie, thank you very much. We appreciate your time. Thank you all. Hanging out on the porch with us. And we'll be back. (laughs) My pleasure. We have um, two more weeks of podcasts before we hit the road to Colorado. So um, we'll see everybody soon. Yeah. Bye. Bye.